Welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby Kent. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast. It's Corey along with you. Jason unfortunately is not able to join me. What is this morning for me, also this morning for my guest today, and that is a returning guest to the podcast, and I would assume a friend of the podcast, I hope so, because he keeps coming on, uh, but it's none other than Kieran McGuire. He's the author of The Price of Football, and he's a financial fair play and football finance guru. Kieran, welcome back to the show. How the heck are you? I'm, I'm grand, thanks, Corey, and, and it's uh, it's an honor to be asked back. It's very rarely that I get asked back to go anywhere, so, so I, I take it as a compliment. Well, Kieran, I can still see that you have most of your hair left, well, probably all of your hair left, because you've not pulled it out like most of us Derby fans over the past uh, 18 months here, because, you know, let's backtrack. First things first, Derby County have been taken over by David Close, the, the, the Derbyshire businessman. Thank God, finally over. We can hopefully close the chapter on this. But let's, you know, what are your thoughts, Kieran, on, on the takeover and, and David Close taking over the, uh, taking over the club? Um. Well, the first thing is is a sense of relief uh, because when the Kirchner deal failed and, and I, I I had reservations for a long time, but I, th- I think it would be uh, it would be impolite to express those publicly. Uh, but th- there were a lot of flags in relation to Kirchner. He was thirty four. He had no digital footprint until a couple of years ago. His company was seemed to be funded by debt. Uh, he had no experience in football. He was working with uh, uh, Wayne Rooney's agent and a uh, Gary Cook. Uh, just there's Gary Cook is uh, not 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 somebody that has the greatest reputation for uh, in respect of some of the things he did at Manchester City. So, so there there were genuine causes for concern, but uh, when that fell through, I think for the first time, people thought uh, there's there's no guarantee of success here. Um, um, I think in David Clow's, uh Derby have uh, a genuine owner, but a reluctant owner. Uh, you know, the very fact that he's he's not uh, not got involved in this until. Uh, until the eleventh hour, it is indicative as that he, he didn't initially feel he was uh, necessarily the, the right person, or, or, or it was the right business for him. You know, he is a he's a private individual. He's uh, he's a very measured individual from what we hear, and uh, football ownership puts you into a spotlight that that generates more attention than practically every other business uh, of, of comparable size. Um, but his his loyalty to his city, his love of the club. Uh, it it appears sort of accelerated his decision to uh, become involved initially uh, in respect of the the stadium. And then I think to to most people's surprise, because we are fully aware that there were other interested parties um, uh, in in respect to to buying the club itself uh, from the administrators or buying the club assets. Sorry, sorry, the dog's barking. We've got the the postman's just arrived. Amazon have turned up. Um, so, so that's 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 where we are. Uh, we can start to move forwards. We, we can start to talk about the the usual nonsense that occupies us as football fans over the course of the summer. What's the new away kit going to look like? Uh, am I going to still fit in an XL shirt? Who are we going to sign? 
uh, you know, that's that's how we occupy ourselves as football fans over the summer and what Derby County fans are being put through um, over the course of the last, well, you know, it's not just the period of administration, it's a longer period of time of that, that, that they, they deserve some positive news. And, and I think with David Klaus, they have some. Yeah, because Kieran, it seemed to me that very much like you said, just said there and some of the very nicely, he does seem very bit like a kind of reluctant owner because he was a Derby fan. He knew that Pride Park was the kind of the sticking point in the selling of the deal. So he bought that. And then he, I bet he was kind of like, you know what? I already own the stadium. This other guy's kind of dragging his feet here. I already own the biggest chip on the table. Why don't I just go, you know, do an extra 5% and then buy the club as well. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see to see, to see how he goes forward. Now, Kieran, I want to take your mind back 18 months because this is this this takeover saga is fast becoming one of the greatest or worst sagas, infamous sagas in the history of the world. You've got Star Wars saga, you've got Star Trek, you've got Harry Potter, you've got Lord of the Rings. Um, now the other Harry Potter saga as well, like whatever, the Minions saga. Now you've got the Takeover saga. Uh, let's go back. Let's go back 18 months, Kieran, when Mel Morris puts the club up for sale. Uh, and let's just walk through this as a brief timeline. Uh, first man coming through the door is the Benzayed group. Uh, they kind of, they they kind of, and I want to get your thoughts on all, all these things now as we can look back and kind of chuckle about it because Derby County is not going to go out of business tomorrow. Um, Benzayed group came in. And I think Darby found like the only Sheikh in the entire Middle East that didn't didn't have any money. I guess he was the cousin of Sheikh Mansour. I know they went on. I think it was Sky Sports, and they said Darby's going to be the biggest, the most richest club in the world. And everyone was licking their chops, and that kind of fell flat, didn't it? Yes, yes, it sadly did. Um, you know, beware of Sheikh's bearing gifts. I, I guess is the the lesson learned uh, in, in respect of this. Um, not not every individual from the Middle East is uh is an ultra high net worth person um and it does appear in hindsight as if uh both mel morris uh, and other people at the club and and in, therefore indirectly because the fan base because the fan base yeah they see this they see the stories reported fell for this story um and uh you would have thought that uh as that had happened there would have been a degree of caution uh, as far as the club was concerned with regards to future negotiations. Um, you know, sh- show me the money is, is always the, the first thing to do in respect of deals. Um, make sure you get a big deposit from somebody because that makes it painful for them to, to withdraw. It looks as if none of that was taking place. Um, and uh, there was also issues with regards to, uh, did you ever see the, the the Amazon movie, um, the the men who sell football clubs. Yes, um, yes, I did. Yes, yeah. Well, I mean, Mel Morris appeared there. It, it was mainly that was his famous about... thing. He's like, we don't have to write this down. We can just do a gentleman's handshake, and it can be like under the table. And then as soon as you hear that, you're like, that doesn't sound moral, ethical, or legal. But I can see yeah. that. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, it, it was mainly about Chris Samuelson, who was sort of the, the intermediary. I have, to, I have to be careful what I say in respect of this, because um, I, I was involved as a commentator on the show and I've signed a non-disclosure agreement. And I've seen all of the footage, some of which might involve Mel Morris, which was not broadcast, which might not reflect on him very positively. I'll say no more than that. Um, so... Uh, 
the, the people that they were trying to sell the club were not necessarily conducting themselves in a way that you would want to feel proud about the people selling the club. Perhaps that same accusation could be made as well. And moving on from that, I remember watching that thing and then you popped up. And I was like, hey, I know that guy. I've read his book. That's Kieran. He's awesome. Um, but yeah, it, it just seemed just the parts that they showed for me watching this. I was just my jaw just dropped. And I was like, any any time, Kieran, I want to buy your house, but let's do a handshake and not write anything about the electric bill. Like that just that just sounds that would just be really red flags. If I walked up with a bundle of cash, I'd be like, you know what? I think I'm going to go spend that elsewhere. Um, and so, like you say, you know, caution should have been should have been the key word here after the Benzai uh, kind of debacle. But alas, it got even better because Spanish businessman and boxing promoter Eric Alonso rolls up um, with his luxury home from TikTok that wasn't actually his. And that was just a weird that was just a weird thing because he wanted to be the big the big wheel. He was saying all the right things. And again, we, we end up in the in the same situation, don't we? Yes. And and telling people what they want to hear is 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 marketing 101, uh, as, as anybody that's ever attended a business degree course will tell you. Um, Eric Alonso talked the talk, but he certainly didn't walk the walk. And, and again, immediately there were some red flags starting to arise yeah, he, he was making his money from his family's hotel. We were in the middle of COVID at the time. You know, it just, it just didn't, it didn't add up. And if things don't add up, then uh, you start to become cautious. Um, and it, you know, the, the tragedy is that if you're a Derby County fan, you, you, you're going through sleepless nights. You are tearing out your hair. You're refreshing Twitter every five minutes. And if you're a fan of many other clubs, it's a soap opera. And, and that's unfortunately what, what Derby County had become uh, under Mel Morris for for a longer for a long period of time. And I, I don't know whether you've seen again the the, the Amazon documentary Sunderland Till I Die, uh, but that made Sunderland Football Club. It was great viewing. It was it 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 was pure theatre, pure drama, um, but everybody was laughing at the club rather than respecting the people involved and. Yeah, yeah, that that that's that's was what was happening to uh, to Derby under Morris in in the sense that the, the decisions being made and the pronouncements that were coming out um, when they backfired made made the club look very amateurish. And and the best part of that Sunderland documentary, or I guess the saddest part, was remember when they got to Wembley in like a Papa John's pizza trophy final, and the guy was like, "Why don't we make tickets five quid and then we'll sell Wembley?" Land? And the CEO was like screw the fans we got to make money we'll make it yes. and then i was like oh my god they like wow like you can see the cameras right there man what are you doing oh yeah this is yeah and, and and very confident people often have a lack of self-awareness and, and they think that uh that they can fool everybody but it, it does tend to come back to uh uh, it does come back to fight them or, or to bite them, uh, as, as perhaps we're seeing in the UK on a on a wider sphere <laughs> uh, at present. Uh, but let's let's not talk about the, the, our prime minister. Here, let's go back about I want to say about three hundred days now. Derby County go into administration. Um, they owe about sixty million pounds. We saw the list of creditors, which I was then told, you know, is not not uncommon that you know that's how kind of football is done that when you owe that but when you owe money to the ambulance service and 
the local candlestick maker and everybody in between, you know, that's people's livelihoods that are affected. And now you realize they're not going to get, you're only going to get 25p on the pound as we have, have obviously if David Klaus is now uh, agreed upon. Um, but let's talk about the administrators, Quantuma, and, and the way that they handled this Derby County administration process, because it, for us, it was extremely frustrating because you know, it was 24 to 48 hours. We had a lot of buyers. They're imminently coming in. They've got big wads of cash. You know, everybody wants to to be a part of Darby and, and buy Darby. Um, and again, it took 282 days of administration to finally get here. We had a couple of uh, false starts here, which we'll talk about with that individual in a minute. But, you know, Quantum, I don't think necessarily covered themselves in glory in this whole process, did they, Kieran? Or is that just me on the inside as a Darby County fan going, man, there should have been, there should have been more done here. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel slightly awkward here because I used to work in the insolvency industry myself. Uh, the one thing that you say is do not overpromise and underdeliver. And I think Quantumar did overpromise and underdeliver. They said, uh, they said on more than one occasion that uh, a deal was imminent or there would be news shortly. And then we had radio silence. And then they they claimed, uh, and, and this came across as spectacular arrogance, we have not engaged with certain parties who are interested in buying the club uh, for deliberate and strategic reasons, i.e. They, they, were, they were applauding themselves for not replying to emails, for not picking up the telephone. Well, that's, that's just sim- that's simple business courtesy. If, if you treat people like dirt, because you're in a strong negotiating position, the chances are there's going to be some point later in your life when you're in a weak negotiating position and those people are going to remember the way that you treated them. So um, I think from a professional point of view, Quantumar's behaviour was was always within the rules in terms of decency and courtesy, very, very poor. Um they they managed to get the the job over the line in the end. Uh, more to do with with David Klaus being a Derby fan than anything else. Uh, but remember, as you said, it took two hundred and eighty two days. Uh, what are the costs of that going to be? Um, the, the club has been relegated under Quantumar, and I think that should be remembered as well. Uh, Quantumar will be uh, very handsomely rewarded for their efforts. And I'm not saying that they, they should, you know, uh, you know, I used to work in the industry. Uh, you are well paid, but it's it's a professional job that you're doing. Potentially you're working long hours. You're having to use a, a variety of skills uh, in terms of financial knowledge, legal knowledge, uh, HR knowledge, people skills and so on. Um, so it, it's, it's, not, it's not a job for everyone. Um, sometimes the administrators have more of those skills in some areas than others. Um and uh, yeah, I, um, I, I don't think they've covered themselves in glory. That they do appear to be. Um, I'm not saying that they are they're in the pockets of Mel Morris, but it was noticeable that they were they were critical of the fan base on social media. They were critical of the EFL. They were critical of Steve Gibson and Middlesbrough Football Club. They were critical of uh, Rob Kohig and, and Wickham Wanderers. Uh, they were critically. You know, they they brought up the issue of COVID. Um, the, the the one the one person that was not criticised by them at all was was Mel Morris. Now, you know, 
Is that because they were not independent? Uh, is that because they were reliant upon him approving their fees? Um, you know, as, as he, as he, you know, Mel Morris is, is coming for a lot of criticism. He did put a lot of money into Derby County Football Club. There is no doubt about that at all. Um, so, yeah, you know, he did. He has has he bought their silence? And in, in order to be transparent here, I, I was contacted by Derby County Football Club two weeks before it went into administration, offering me consultancy work. So I know from my own history of working in insolvencies, if, if you're two weeks before appointing administrators, you've already spoken to the administrators. Yeah, they were already done the chance that they were. So, so why, why are they coming out to, to third parties? And, you know, I'm, I've, I've got no historical working relationship with Derby County. Yes, I've spoken to Stephen Pierce. Yeah, yes, I did, I did provide some assistance in respect of their, their defence uh, on, on one of the charges. But I did that as... A, out of courtesy, and B, uh, I, I didn't particularly like the way that the EFL were, were going about the, the the nature of the charges. And so I, I offered a bit of assistance purely as, as a football fan. Um, so so it, it just doesn't fit particularly well, the behaviour of Contamar. Um, I they, they 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 are a very profitable organization they're a very successful organization um but the nature of insolvency work is that you're dealing with people and i, I think that their people skills are uh, are an area which needs addressing and kieran let's talk about the the last individual before david Klaus took over and then we, then we draw a line under the takeover saga here um somebody from my side of the pond who i had never heard of who i had reached out to business journals about and journalists and spoken to them and they either didn't want to talk about him or they didn't know who he was um kind of raises some red flags he worked at a best buy like four years ago and now he's got millions of dollars okay cool that's a good that's a good trajectory i guess i guess i could get on that gig uh that's that's chris kirchner uh ceo of slink io came in um saying he was interested uh walked away from the deal in november tried to buy preston preston run and press said he didn't have any money he said that was a lie came back was named preferred bidder in march and he basically just shrugged darby along for three months and i don't know what he was doing to to fool everybody but he certainly he certainly feel, feel, uh fooled a few including you know potentially wayne rooney's agent potentially wayne rooney because we knew wayne rooney was all in uh, on the deal and ultimately you know, you can see how quickly once Chris Kirchner was gone, this deal got done by David Klaus. So your thoughts on Chris Kirchner for just a couple of minutes before we, we draw a line under the saga and sum it all up. Um, I, I think Tom Hanks could play Chris Kirchner very well in a movie. Um, so I'll say no more than that. Uh, Chris, Chris Kirchner... Uh, let, let's take a look at his background. He's he's 34. He's got no historic interest in football. As you said, he was he was working in a Best Buy. He he then claimed to have made a lot of money from crypto. If, if I made 60 million in crypto, the last thing I would do is spend half or two thirds of that in, in a football club. Um, he seemed to spend most of his time. You know, if I'm involved in a startup business, I'm there, I'm there working 24 seven. And yet he spent his time going to golf tournaments, going to tennis tournaments, playing in pro-ams. He seemed more interested in other sports than he did in Derby. I, th- I think that what Derby bought him, and, and, and this is this is a, an issue with football, is, is, is it, it buys you fame. Because 
all of a sudden he was able he was he was effectively conducting negotiations or up to date information uh, over over social media. Uh, he may have been breaking NDAs by doing so, but he was putting information out, and, and the fan base were were hanging on to every word, um, and yeah, the fan base were putting faith in him because one of the, yeah, first of all, they, they look up to him as a potential saver of the club. He likes one of their tweets. They they automatically like, yeah, you know, I'm a fan. Oh yeah, Chris Kirsch was like one of my tweets. He's my mate. He, he's not. You know, he he was, um, um, and he he fooled he fooled everybody because. Uh, Quantuma saw his proof of funds. Uh, the EFL saw his proof of funds. Uh, they, these were bank statements which had been certificated by major senior US banks. Now, he could have had money in those bank accounts on the day that he sent those statements to uh, the EFL and to Quantuma, and, and they would have to accept them in good faith. So therefore, he passed the owners and directors test. He, um, you could ask why didn't Quantumar get a sizable deposit from him um, at, at the date of you know, reaching a certain place in negotiations? Uh, yeah, that does seem rather odd. Uh, but again, perhaps they just fell for the, uh, uh, yeah, the, the fact that he was very charming, very persuasive. And in the end, he, he conned everybody. Um, I, I did speak to somebody senior at Preston North End uh, when that deal fell through. Um, and they said... The more that they dealt with him, the, the fact that he he wasn't coming up with the money um, quickly, and, and then as they got closer and closer to the final deal, he started to try to unpick some of the the, the agreements for, for relatively small amounts of money. Uh, he was also claiming that he was spoken to disrespectfully by uh, a member of the family of of the people who owned Preston North End. And I thought, well. If, if somebody speaks to you slightly disrespectfully uh, in a sale agreement, that's one thing. But if, you're, if that's going to upset you, you are totally unsuited to football club ownership because you are going to get dog's abuse. You are going to, yeah, every, every time you lose a match, every time you put up the price of a pie or a ticket, you're going to get it in the neck on social media you're going to have fan jeering your name. Uh, you know, if, if you go on a, a run of four or five matches, you're going to be having fans writing to you, demanding you to sack the manager and so on. Um, totally unsuited for the, for the role as, as a club owner, if, uh, if, if he's that sensitive. And, and then he, he came back mysteriously to Derby. You know, he'd already pulled out once in December when he, he sort of made feeble excuses. And, and, and Quantum Art, Asked, uh, you know, took him back with open arms. Yeah, they they were critical of him in December. Why why then in in March do they think that he's the savior? Because there were has always been other interested parties for whom Quantumar appeared to not want to talk. Now, why do Quantumar not want to talk to anybody apart from Chris Kirchner? You know, they they is is somebody trying to influence them as to who they should sell the club to. We don't know, do we? That's true, Kieran. We'll probably never know, and we probably don't need to know, because as you're well aware, when you do, you talk about behind the scenes ball, and it just gets, it just, it's just better sometimes not knowing, you know, like, I I don't need to know some things that go on. I just want to worry about, um, hopefully, things that are on the pitch. But Kieran, in two two or three sentences, sum sum up this Derby County transfer saga as a whole, and, and, and what it means now for it to finally come to fruition. 
In two or three sentences, the club was financially mismanaged. It, it utilised COVID as a smokescreen. It went to administration for far too long. It's been relegated, but it has a future. How are you going to fill your days without talking about this, this saga? I mean, surely, I mean, how, how's Kieran Maguire now? Because you, your podcast has talked about Derby like pretty much every episode. You've talked to us several times. You've talked to other Derby podcasts. You've talked to BBC Radio W more. How are you going to fill your time, Kieran? Are you going to like take up painting or another hobby? Or I, I'm I'm going to spend some time with my wife because she was threatening to divorce <laughs> me and she was citing Mel Morris as the other party in our relationship. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Kieran, so this is a fresh start for Derby County. And as they say, Kieran, happy wife, happy life. So you got to got to make sure the wife's, wife's good to go. Um, this is a fresh start for Derby County, but is it, is it the end of this or is it the beginning of the end? Because we've got the business plan. I don't know if business, the business plan that David Klaus put forward is a standard one or how that's going to look. Um, but surely he's not going to get, he's got the keys of Derby County now. Surely Derby just can't go out now and go, eh, okay, that's in the past. We can start doing whatever we want to do in terms of, if we want to pay exorbitant transfer fees, I know Darby have signed uh, four players already. They're signing Connor Hurahane actually right now. Um, how, how does how does this club move forward from this period? Is it just a clean slate, or is this baggage going to continue with Darby over the next couple of years? Um, they will not be able to spend unlimited amounts of money for, for two reasons. First of all, David Klaus doesn't have unlimited amounts of money. He, he's he's a wealthy individual by by every man's standards, but not by you know, Premier League owner standards. He, he's uh, he's been successful in his own right, and and you've got to give him and his family credit for what they've achieved. Um, so I, a, I don't think there is unlimited money, um, but B, there will be a, an agreement signed with the EFL uh, that there is a business plan going forwards, and they will have to submit to the EFL. Uh, you know, it could be individual signings may be limited as to the wage levels. You know, Derby will be in a position to pay some of the best wages in League One. There is no doubt about that. Yeah, they've, they've got the fan base uh, to do that. They, they will still be an attractive proposition as far as uh, commercial sponsorship is concerned. Um, but uh, you know, we, we've seen Ravel Morrison has, has decided to, to move on. Uh, that's because... Derby can't, you know, presumably haven't met his expectations of what he feels he's worth as, as a player uh, in terms of remuneration. So he'll be looking for a club perhaps in the championship. You know, he, he had a good season. You know, anybody knows the history of Ravel Morrison. There's there's never been any doubt about his footballing ability. Um, his his, his off-field distractions have, have held him back. Um, so I, I think Derby will have a competitive budget as far as League One is concerned. Does that mean that they're automatically in the running for a playoff place this season? Uh, I, I wouldn't say so because it takes it takes time to gel a squad, and you're you're, you're picking up from you know, what five seven players um, that that uh, Liam Rossini has inherited. The manager has gone as well. Um, I think the timing of the manager's de- uh, decision to leave uh, coinciding with. Uh, uh, the, the David Klaus takeover is probably quite revelatory. Uh, you, know, you don't have to be a genius to read between the lines there as to, uh, you know, you mentioned it yourself, Wayne Rooney and 
Paul Stretford's agency that they fell for Chris Kirchner. Um, could be that Chris Kirchner had made promises which the new owners can't match. Fair enough, Kieran. Well, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it there with you, uh, Kieran. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us on the podcast to talk about the the Derby County takeover saga. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Kieran. I hope we can talk again uh, soon. But uh, thank you for um, thank you for your being a being a uh, being a light in this in this dark time for Derby County and 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 sharing you know different things from company houses and the information that you could have sh- uh, share as well um, as and when. And there's probably information you couldn't share, but uh, again. Thank God, because we don't need to know everything that goes on. Um, but thank you so much for, uh, for 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 your due diligence in in this takeover saga. It's always a it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Well, thanks thanks very much, Corey. And uh, yeah, as football fans, we, we don't fall in love with companies' house. We we fall in love with what happens on the pitch. And yeah, I, I think Derby fans are looking forward to that that being the focus of their attention going forwards. On the pitch stuff, what a weird thing to talk about. <laughs> thanks, Karen. Cheers. Our thanks go out to Kieran McGuire. Kieran, thank you so much for, for having us, uh, for, for chatting with me today. Uh, it was, was a lot of fun, and hopefully we talk soon, but not about takeover matters because that, that whole thing just sucked. But what doesn't suck is Derby County currently because we're under new ownership. We've got some new players, actually new signings to talk about, and that's not something that, that has just been a long time, especially with the quality of the signings that we've been getting. So to talk about all of the actions, Jason has joined me. Jason, hello. Sorry you weren't able to join the chat a little earlier, but you're here now, buddy. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. It's been a, it's been a whirlwind of a seven days, hasn't it, as a Derby yeah. fan? So, uh, oh. yeah, looking forward to breaking it down. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's been you know burning the candle at both wicks uh, here at Rams Review HQ. Also joining me is Amelia Badger. Amelia, thank you. It's been a long time. Try to get you on the podcast for a while now. Welcome to your podcast debut. Welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me, mate. I look forward to it. And we've got a second debutante tonight. We've got Kieran Clark, who runs the DCFC Hub Twitter page. Kieran, also, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Uh, glad to have you along. Yeah, cheers, mate. It's been a while. It's been coming, hasn't it? So glad to finally be here and actually happy to be here in better times. Yeah, for sure. So, Jason, uh, I know you've, you've kind of been on the road. You've been catching up on the news. But let me inform, I'll, I'll tell you and, and any of the listeners who are, un, who are not aware, um, let's see. Darby made a triple signing just today alone. And today is what day is today? Today is Wednesday. I can get my days mixed up because if we had 4th of July and it's just messed me up, whatever. Uh, so we've made three signings today. We've got Connor Hurahane. Uh, he's coming in on a free transfer two year deal. We've also signed, um, James Chester from Stoke. He was released. He's got a two year deal, the veteran Welshman. We've also signed a player that I'm absolutely over the moon about because this guy is just going to be absolute monster in league one. Because he's an absolute beast. And that's David McGoldrick. He came in on a free transfer from Sheffield United as well. Jason, we expected sign-ins. And these, these three follow the three sign-ins from the other day of Tom Barkhausen, um, Nathaniel Menzies-Lang, uh, and Joe Wildsmith as well, the goalkeeper, as well as new contracts from Aaron Cashin and Liam Thompson. Jason, it's been a busy couple of days. Darby don't do things by halves. Um, what, are you, what are you making of all the, the new, new comings and goings? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I think the what the five six signings that we've made, I don't think most Derby fans would have been too disappointed about making those signings of those players last year in the championship. So to get them to get them in League One is is incredible. I mean, getting getting the finances right 
of course, we're going to be a bit of a heavy hitter when it comes to being able to offer wages, because obviously I know in League One it goes on kind of turnover and income, and obviously we're always going to have a bit of a a bit of a uh, stranglehold on that with with the fans that we can bring in. But you know, Conor Hurrahane, I mean, what eighteen months ago was absolutely bossing the Championship, deserved his move to the Premier League. Okay, it didn't work out for him at uh, at Villa, but you know, on reported thirty thousand a week there. So I mean, it'd be interesting. Yeah, we know we never do find out, but it would be interesting to know what kind of figures, you know, that these players have signed. And of course, most of them, I think, are on two year deals. So, you know, obviously the finances that get involved with that. But yeah, any of them, I'd have taken any of them last year when we were struggling for players. So uh, in League One, you would presume that they're going to be, they're going to be, they're going to be solid, solid signings. And I mean, I'm not expecting Derby to pull out another 10 of that ilk of that quality we might have to take a, a gamble on a couple of youngsters as well which obviously I'm sure you you managed to speak about with Kieran earlier on about a couple from uh, down his neck of the woods but it's it's refreshing to see um you know you've I've been I say I've been working away so I've been I've not actually been as updated on, on the things so I've been I've been catching up on the uh, the interviews with Owen Bradley on DCF on Rams TV and just getting a feel but obviously they're all kind of they're all household names, I think, from the championship that that you know that we know and we're we're used to seeing as opposition. So, as far as that goes, I think you know we sat here a week ago doing our last podcast. wasn't sure the rumours were there that obviously Mr. Klaus was taking over the club. I don't think anybody would have envisaged seven days later that he'd physically taken it over and we'd brought in six players of real strength. I think. Uh, apart from David McGoldrick, I'm not as big of a fan as as you are, Corey. But that's because he's uh, he's from the other side of the 52. But, but he's a Notts County he, fan. He made that abundantly. He, he is a Notts County fan. So he he's all right County in my fan, book. But he, nah, but he did play for Forest, so he's got a lot to. Uh, so did Nathan Tyson, to and what uh, he turned out to be. In, yeah, I didn't, or, didn't like him. Billy Davis. <laughs> but no, I mean it's yeah, no, it's it's one of them, <laughs> it, it, Corey. It it means that you know. The first, the first for me, the first hurdle I think that most fans were obviously thinking about was what's the takeover going to look like? And then just being a, like what, where Derby were going moving forward, what we were going to have to rely on. Uh, we'd seen the likes of Bolton and, and their financial struggles and what it meant for them. But then if it was on the flip side, we'd seen Wigan and seen what they could achieve after going into administration uh, in the recent couple of years. So it's always going to be interesting to see which way it went for Derby. And as I say, for, for a start, for those six to sign and obviously tie down two contracts, we would fully expect a couple more um, to, to to tie down. And obviously there'll be a few more names, I'm sure, linked um, over the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. I think pretty much every sort of player that we have signed, I've, I've seen a rumour of those at some point over the last seven to ten days. So we've kind of tied up the first flurry of rumours. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what the next, if the, if you know, if there's another set. Um, and of course, this has to only be the start because, as we well know, we'd only got four or five contracted players. Lee Buchanan's obviously left, which I'm sure we'll touch on again in, in a bit more detail in a bit. There's still rumours going around Jason Knight's future. There's still rumours about Christian Bielix. There's obviously still rumours about Nathan Burns, so the, uh, Louis Sibley, and you know, the, so there's still four, five players there that could easily walk walk out of Derby next week, and you've got to replace those as well. So. So far, the new era of Derby County, I'd give it a, a solid eight out of ten, maybe, maybe even an eight and a half. Um, and we've just got to hope that between now and the 30th of July, you know, we, we can bring in those other, let's face it, probably another seven, eight, nine signings, if, if not that. Um, and Derby going to have a pretty competitive squad. I mean, it doesn't mean that it's guaranteed promotion, but 
you're starting on the best possible the best possible foot because I think we all thought a week ago that we'd be we'd be doing a bolting we'd be we'd be putting the kids out Corey yeah we definitely did and Amelia is it how, how are you feeling after a sextuple signing of the you know yes albeit they are veterans they are championship quality and like Jason said I 100% agree I didn't took any of them last year uh to strengthen our squad how are you feeling after after this this flurry of signings and then re-signings and locking down the uh, the long-term contracts of Aaron Cash and Liam Thompson. You can only be positive about it. Like it's nobody thought a week ago the takeover would go through, and and a week later we'd be in a position where we'd signed, you know, six new players and and tied down some contracts as well. On top of that, I think we expected things to probably move at a bit of a slower pace. You know, I think we all expected we signed players, but maybe not the stature of player that we have. Um, the, the the championship standard and like you know we've we've all said. We'd have taken them last season in in the battle that we had in in relegation and and perhaps even been able to pick up some more points with them sorts of players. But you know it's good that we're pulling players like that in, particularly in the situation that we're in. I think um, Connor Horahan could have gone to Middlesbrough for for more money, so the rumor is, um, and he's he's decided to turn that down to come to Derby because it's a more long term project that he wants to be a part of. So the fact that we're pulling players like that in by by whatever. Rosinia and, and Klaus have got up their sleeve as a plan for the future, then it's clearly something positive. It's clearly bright and it's clearly making players want to come and play for Derby County. And that's the key thing, really. We want players at the club that are going to want to play for the club. Um, I think McGoldrick touched on in his interview about the, the atmosphere when he came with Sheffield United last season in the stadium and the fans. Um, so it's good that we have got them features of, of the club that are, are pulling players towards us and making them think, hang on a minute, I want to be a part of Derby County. I want to be a part of that success. I want to. I want to take them back to where they belong. So, having players like that around your squad, it, it can only be positive because there is only one way for us now, and that is to to go back up and and whether we do it at the first attempt, second attempt, whatever. I'm sure it'll be sooner rather than later. So yeah, it's exciting times, definitely. Kieran, we've done a we've done a lot of business, and Amelia said a key word there, and that was, that was plan, and that's not something that you generally associate with Derby County. And transfers, and I think the notable thing to me, other than one, the amazing story about Connor Hurhane was apparently he ran into Liam Rossinier in a coffee shop, and they just started chatting, and then that sometimes sealed the deal. So please go to Costa Coffee wherever you go in Liam and do more of that because that's awesome. But Kieran, you know we don't normally associate a plan, but I think the smartest thing for me is that these are these are veterans that are coming in. They've got some now, they've got some know how in this in in the EFL, but two year deals. That's pretty sensible. It's not like they're signing on a 31 year old to a to a five or six year contract like sometimes you see crazy things do. I mean, two year two year contracts are pretty sensible. And are you happy with? I mean, you obviously got to be happy with the direction uh, this football club is taking in this transfer window, aren't you? Yeah, no, massively. I think the important thing with these signings being two year deals is there's almost room to maneuver. As you said, we're not tying them down to a massive contract. Um, and the big thing being. Most of them have turned down other offers. Um, McGoldrick and Horohan both turned down championship offers to actually sign for us. So it shows that they actually want to play for us. And the rumour is they've actually accepted less wages as well because our wage budget is still quite tight. Um, although I've seen Twitter today, obviously rival fans going in meltdown about how we're buying the league again. We're not. We just are a massive club and we still have a big pull in League One. And touching on Liam Senior, he, he's massive. I've been lucky enough to meet him a few times um, and have some good conversations with him. And he's the proper football man. 
who knows the game inside and out. And he's renowned as one of the best coaches, um, young English coaches in England. So that doesn't surprise me at all that he's managed to sell Horahan the dream because Horahan especially, I think he gets into most championship sides, doesn't he? He walks into most of them. Um, I'm a Goldrick. I, I'm a massive fan. Um, if we can keep him fit, it might finally be that clinical striker we've been crying out for since, I don't know, maybe Chris Martin. And, and let's not forget that we've got, you know, service now for him as well for the first time in a long time with, you know, Tom Barkhausen and Nathaniel Menzies-Lang, you know, potentially providing him space and crosses and, and, and playing balls into him as well. So we've got a bit more of attacking threat like that. I know Menzies-Lang is, is you know, a pacey winger and they sometimes are prone to, to large um, sways in form, but, you know, Tom Barkhausen was a player that I also had, like, as soon as we signed, I was just really, really excited because I remember him, my dad's a Blackpool supporter. And I remember Barkhausen when he came up and I was like, this guy is just, this guy is just next level. And then, you know, he was at Preston and it's kind of gone a bit stale there from what we understand uh, talking to, to some of the, uh, some of the people for our blogs, you know, it just went a bit stale there. He'd struggled with COVID and asthma and everything like that. But, you know, if we can get him fit and firing, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty tasty front three uh, in league one. Um, and, and Jason, you know, before we talk about the weaknesses in the squad, you're, you're, you're a fan of a goalkeeper, Jason. We've got Joe Wildsmith in. Thank God he got rid of his man bun because uh, you can never trust a goalkeeper with a man bun. So we signed him without a man bun, so I can fully trust the guy. Uh, Joe Wildsmith, he seems a bit of a confidence player. He's always the number two kind of at Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, never really made the, the number one shirt his own. Um, but again, 26 years old. He's been around in the first teams now for seven years at Championship and League One level. Um, tell us a little bit, what are your, what are your thoughts about the new goalkeeper, Joe Wildsmith? I think, you know, obviously losing Allsop was, was, it was a shame. I, 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 he always came across to me as a kind of player that would be quite interested to get a new deal, uh, and would, would have stayed. And he was almost not one of the first to go, but he, he was one of the earlier ones to, 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 to tie and move away. So, uh, you know, he's got to look after himself. That's absolutely fine. I mean, I think we can all probably agree that whilst Kel Roos has, has been a, he's been an okay goalkeeper for Derby. He's been at Derby for what, seven or eight years now. He'd never progressed on really being fans choice as a number one. I know he made it to number one, but obviously he was never really fans choice. So I think obviously with everything going on, it was just natural. It was natural that those were going to move out and we were going to bring in a, a new wave of goalkeepers. And, we we just don't know, Corey. Like you see, you, you see this all the time. You 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 have a number two at a club for a reason. The number one gets injured, and before you know it, the number two comes in. You know, as a as a stellar half season, and before you know it, becomes number one. So I suppose unless they're given the opportunity, and let's face it, he is the only goalkeeper, senior goalkeeper at the club at this at this moment in time. I know there's rumours we might be getting another one in on loan um, to to compete for that. But and you would think if if that is the case, the lad from Brighton. You know, he'd be coming one team, first team football. So, whilst whilst may well come in as a as a number two there as well, but you know, it's going to be a battle. It was it was a position that we needed additions. Never felt too comfortable, even with Allsop. I know he had a great second half of the season, but he wouldn't have been my choice if you know if if there was a if there was a choice at the time. Um, so I think I think strengthening that position and time will tell. I mean. Unfortunately, we, as we, we know, goalkeepers, it's one of those strange positions. Me and you said it, and I said it definitely on the podcast, you know, when Allsop came in, he made three appearances in the cup. He made three absolute clangers. And we all thought, Jesus, what, you know, why have we, 
we brought him in and then you start looking at, well, he did come from Wickham who got relegated and they didn't want to re-sign him. And it was like, okay. But then of course, as I say, he, he gets a bit of confidence, gets a bit of form and, and was, you know, a, an informed goalkeeper last season. We don't know what it's going to bring, but one thing that you do know is that he's obviously going to get his opportunity at Derby to, to prove what he can, what he can do. And whoever else comes in and whoever, whoever is given that number one shirt, ready for the 30th of July, then, you know, the fans have got to get behind him. Don't get on the back. There's going to be mistakes. This team, you know, I mean, we brought in them six. First preseason friendly, what, on Saturday? This squad is probably not going to be fully shaped by the start of the season. I think that's that's fair no, to this say. Is going to go, this is going to go down to deadline. Day, yeah, I think, I think we'll have a core. Don't get me wrong. Them. I do think we'll have a core 13, 14 players by the start. But they will have only have had the best part of two weeks, three weeks. I know they've been in tri- on trial, some of them, and they've been training. But obviously, there's been who knows who the manager was going to be and all that kind of thing. So there'll have been a very minimum amount of time for shape and, and all that kind of thing. So one thing that Derby fans can't do is obviously get on get on these players back straight away if the ball doesn't start rolling from from the first game at home against Oxford. And uh, you know we've we've just got to get behind it and. I'm I'm happy to see. We said there was a massive reset needed all over, um, and to be honest with you, I think it was fair to say from the squad from last season, there was probably only a handful of players that we really wanted to move forward with. Some of those, I think, are going to choose to to walk eventually or get sold. So it's a, it's a big rebuild job, and it gives the opportunity for somebody to come in and and stake a claim, like you say, Joe's twenty six. Perfect opportunity for him to, you know, he's, he's almost owned his craft, if, as you will, as a number two. It's time to give him a chance. And to me, that probably means it, it's a bit of a no-risk signing. He's, not on, he's probably not on a lot of money. He, he, he fits Derby's remit at the moment. And, at the, you know, as we well know, I'm surprised with some of the players that we've managed to bring in. But I expected that to be our remit and not necessarily bring in too many that we knew the name of in, in all fairness, but obviously we've been proven wrong with that with, with four or five of them. But as I say earlier, there's going to be a fine balance. You might bring in those, some of those names, but then you are going to have to smatter that with some, you know, un, un, I suppose unknown players in league one and, and see how they get on. Yeah, for sure. You're definitely going to have your stars and then you're going to have your, your kind of squad players. Amelia, We've talked about the attack. We've talked about the goalkeepers. We're going to talk about the defense in a minute because there's been some movement and some potential movement there as well. But I want to talk to you about midfield because midfield was kind of a strong suit for Derby last season, right? We had obviously Max Bird, Jason Knight, Christian Bielik, um, Louis Sibley. We, had, we actually had some depth in the center of midfield. Um, so much so that even losing Graham Shinney didn't really impact us because we had, I've shed a tear because of Graham Shinney because the guy's just awesome. But we actually had depth. It wasn't a position where it like actually takes away a body. But you look at it now, we've got Christian Bielik, Liam Thompson, Jason Knight, Max Bird, Louis Sibley, Connor Hurahane. Um, midfield, surely. I mean, how are you viewing this midfield? I mean, this midfield, like we said, championship quality midfield. How are you viewing it going into the season and, and into, a, into, a, into a new league? At the moment, there's a lot of depth to it. And it's looking good. I mean, if we retain all the players you've just listed there, I mean, it's, you know, unmatched to be the best the best midfield in the league by far, I think. But um, it depends who we keep hold of. I know that there's rumours about Jason Knight potentially leaving the club, um, which which wouldn't shock me. He's been he's been brilliant for us. So he does he does deserve 
an opportunity to showcase his talent on a on a bigger stage. Um, but whether whether he does leave or not, you know, nothing's confirmed, and it's all just rumor at the moment. So if we're working off, you know, we have got Christian Billy, we have got Jason Knight, we have got Louis Sibley, and then we've got Connor Horahane to add to that. Yeah, it's 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 an insane midfield. Um, but it, it just is that question of of who do we keep? I mean, Horahan to to sit in the core of it and to and alongside Liam Thompson, who's an up and coming, you know, young lad who's got a lot of promise. The games he played for us last season, he, he did an incredible job, um, and, and was really impressive and and really really favoured by the fans. So it'd be good to see how he gets on as well. Um, and and with those two in the midfield, you can sort of work around the rest of it. So if we do let players like Jason Knight go, you won't probably be too upset. Um, because we've got we've got the other players that have come in and renewed contracts to to balance that out. So it would be nice to keep hold of Louis Sibley. I'd like him to stay, and with him being a Derby lad as well, I'd like to think that he would want to stay. Um, so that is a contract I'd like to get sorted out. But again, you know, similar to Jason Knight, he has proved that he he is a good player and he's worthy of playing on a on a higher level than than League One. Maybe not Premier League, but but if another Championship club wanted him that was up there challenging for the top six, you could understand why why he'd go. But with him being like I said, with him being a Derby fan, a Derby guy, it'd be nice to see him stay around the club. Um, and again, Christian Bielik, it's a, it's an awkward one with him because he's a big name. We all know that he's very, very talented. But on top of that, he's he's had this long list of injuries that, that have slowed down his progress and affected him a little bit. So whether he'll want to move on and, and try and go to another club where he could potentially not be as up to standard as some of the other players in the squad or whether he'll want to stay with us and try and be part of the rebuild and, and slowly just make his comeback to full full fitness and 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 being back to playing 100% all the time, it'll be interesting to see. And it's also about money as well. I mean, on top of all this, we would still be able, we could still do with bringing a bit of money in. So there is going to be players that we're going to have to shuffle about and let go uh, as much as we probably won't want to. Um, we, we do need to bring funds in. So, yeah, I think you're going to see a couple of, of goings out. But I think, again, there'll still be more to come in. And, and Conor Horahan, I mean, we can't talk about it enough. He's an incredible sign. And I mean, you know, he could even play in a low low level Prem team, I think, at this point. And definitely in a championship side, he'd, he'd walk into any. So, yeah, we're, we've got to be really grateful to have him. And I think he it's really exciting to see what, what he could potentially do for the season. And when you look at it, the, the two points you just hit there, Jason Knight and Christian Billick are not players. I'd be, I would be, I'd actually be surprised if they were still here after the transfer window closes. Cause we know Jason Knight had come out. Um, like you said, one, he's proven himself and he's, he's deserving. He, he can play in a top six championship side. He could potentially sit on the bench in a lower premier league side as well and make the odd appearance. But he had also said, I remember when he was on Ireland duty, he had talked about playing at a higher level and how he needed to do that to continue to stay in the Ireland squad. And then on the flip side is Christian Bielik. You know, one, we do need to recoup money. There are two probably the only two probably sellable assets Derby County have as a, as a club right now that we could probably recoup, get some money, put it back in the coffers, right? Start that rebuild. But then when you look at Christian Billick, he's got a World Cup in December to worry about. And the Polish managers come out and said, hey, if you're playing League One, you're not going to be on that plane to Qatar. And you never know, like, is the manager just saying that to try to get him motivated to move on? Because if, if he's dominating in League One to play for Poland, he came off an ACL tear and he was first name on the team sheet in the first game back. So, you never know how that's going to really work out. So, um, you know, I would I would personally be shocked if they were still here um, come the end of the transfer window because they are big players. They are sellable assets for Derby. And like you say, we've got a lot of depth in that position. We could probably afford to lose them, although we don't want to, um, you know, and then 
you know, use that money in other areas to continue to strengthen. Kieran, I want to come to you next because the defense has had a bit of a shuffle as well because one player that will not be with Darby at the transfer window because they're not with Darby right now is, uh, is Lee Buchanan because he's joined Verda Bremen on apparently, apparently a free transfer. Yes, a free transfer, as Verda Bremen say. Uh, but, you know, Darby County being Darby County, have new owners. They have the EFL on speed dial. They're calling up the EFL. Hey, what's going on with this? They should be at least entitled to some sort of compensation through elite player performance. Um, also, I think they're going to go to FIFA for it as well, because there was some strange loophole, I believe, Kieran, where when the companies change names from one owner to the other, they had the potential loophole to kind of rip up their contracts. And obviously, Lee wanted to do that. Um, you know, best of luck to him. Try your try your hand in the Bundesliga. It's worked. Obviously, they've got Ali Burke now there as well. Good track record in Germany of developing young English players. But the whole Lee Buchanan situation, Kieran, it kind of when you see how Liam Thompson and Aaron Cashin talk about the club and how they wanted to resign and they have kind of waited to resign. And then, you know, you can't blame Malcolm Ebowoe or Luke Plange. They had opportunities to go back to London, back to kind of home base. You can't blame them. They got Premier League moves. But you had Lee Buchanan who had signed a contract or they had had his contract automatically renewed. Okay, he's replaceable. He's not the world's best fullback, right? He's not Ben Chilwell. I'm just kidding. He's not the world's best fullback either. That guy's, yeah, whatever. Um, he's replaceable. But does it, does it kind of leave a sour taste in your mouth that a lad who's come up through the academy has his contract agreed upon, like, to be extended? You know they're in a tough thing. And he was probably going to get sold anyway. Let's just be honest. But to whine and complain about it, rip his contract up, and then bugger off to Germany, I mean, surely that leaves a sour taste in your mouth. And surely the Rams have got to be due some sort of compensation here. I mean, we are. Obviously, it's going um, to the EFL, as you mentioned. We did trigger the um, activation in his contract to renew it for another year. Therefore, them claiming it's a free deal, just not how it works. I think down the line, we will end up getting some compensation for him. I can't imagine it's much. And I mean, he's not worth a lot anyway, as he's not as good as what he thinks he is. Um, He's gone about it, I think, completely the wrong way. I've seen a lot of Derby fans actually just come out and say, I I don't think he's a massive loss. Um, We've got Craig Forsyth, who splits the fans but I, I think he's much better than what he is um the only thing he had going for him was his youth um in terms of it I think there's been a few that have kind of said they were back in Derby and they would stay with Derby no matter what I think it's come out that a lot of them were probably back in Wayne Rooney rather than actually back in the club because as soon as Rooney left the murmuring started to come about players who were not as keen as staying anymore or didn't want to be around. And I think he was one of them who was probably sold on the idea of Rooney um, being around. With him, I think he's going to go to Germany. I think he'll do okay. But if he's acting this way at this age already, he's probably not got the right people around him advising him. So I do worry about the future of his career. But it just makes people like Cashin and Thompson even more adored by the fans because there's nothing more that we'll remember in recent years then those players that stood by us through this turmoil and them two will be Derby, Derby heroes for years to come, I can imagine. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I, you summed it up perfectly there. You have two players that kind of waited around, loved the club, wanted to be there. And then you have somebody who, like I, you put it poetically, Kieran, is not as good as what he thinks he is. I mean, he's replaced, He's a replaceable player at the end of the day. He's probably going to be sold um, as well eventually. Um, two other, three other rumors actually that have come up, uh, down on, down on the, uh, down on the old rumor mill, James Collins 
He's reportedly interested uh, from Cardiff City. Another good, solid signing. Um, he used to be at Luton Town, I think, when we were first linked to him uh, a couple of years ago. And we have two bright young players, Carl Rushworth, who was young player of the year and player of the year at Walsall. He was their goalkeeper. He's uh, potentially coming in on loan from Brighton. Um, we have a good track record with Brighton, obviously, with Liam Senior being there. We've had Matt Clark. He's developed him. He's not going to play for Brighton. But we still did a good job, nevertheless. Um, and then we also have uh, young defender Hayden Roberts. Uh, he's a center half, left footer. Uh, played really well at Rochdale last season, and by all accounts, um, is, is there's high hopes for both Rushworth um, and and uh, Roberts at Brighton. So we'll see if we can bring them in. Um, we'll see what we can get on them. We obviously have blogs out uh, about them. We've talked to some some Brighton um, journalists, podcasts to find out all about them, as well as all of Darby's other new signings. You can find that on our website. Um, Jason, before we move on to actual preseason, I mean it. it how great is it to actually be talking about like normal football fan stuff, like signings and rumors, not like rumors. I mean, we have rumors like your club's going to go bust. Uh, this will be the last ever game. This guy from America who used to sell TVs at Best Buy is going to buy it. Oh, wait, no, he's playing golf and he doesn't have any money. Like we've had all these other rumors, but actually signing room, actually having rumors about signing players and actual positivity on Darby County Twitter as well. <clears throat> Mental, isn't it? Like, mm. is this what normal stuff feels like, like normal life? Yeah, possibly. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think the uh, in terms of a transfer rumor mill, uh, it's never really been that slow for Derby. But what is oh. actually nice is that actually a lot of these players that we have been rumored in signing are actually walking through the door, Corey. And that's that's, that's a big thing. And yeah, I mean, it's, it is it is great to talk about. I'm... I mean, don't get me wrong. Football is about building a building a squad and continuity and things like that. But I, I hate it when you know you only bring in one player in a transfer window, or if you're Philip Koku, nobody, you know that, that kind of thing. And it's, it's oh just, no, 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 Philip Koku <laughs> brought in Kieran Dowell. <laughs> well, yeah, but memory, he did. He did. He did. But it's things like that. I mean, as a fan, don't need to talk about him because he's used no. But as as a fan, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not expecting ten new signings every every season, you know, because that's that's just not practical. But obviously, this season you're going to probably get the best part of twenty. Which so you know, we're, we're doubling our money this year. It's going to be it's going to be nice to see. Um, but yeah, no, it's great. And you know, the just to add to the obviously to the rumor kind of thing. I mean, these players are coming in. We've also got players who were contracted to Derby last season who we are all expecting to to resign. Curtis Davis. We're not even well, talking about big Kurt. Like, Curtis Davis, Richard Steerman, purposes, that is done. Richard Stearman uh, and Craig Forsyth. Oh, I mean, Stearman. I, I look. I like Craig Forsyth. If Lee Buchanan's gone as well, I, I think you, it's just natural that you know it would be his testimonial year if he came in. You, you may as well give him tw- another twelve months um, if he if he's happy to start to sign a twelve months. And those those three have obviously been rumoured all the way through. Ravel came out, said he was wanted to go. That's fine. It's been linked within the last hour that Tom Lawrence is looking like he's going to Sheffield United. Um, again, somebody that's, you know, no. it's funny. I mean, Corey, I, <laughs> me and you argued a lot over the last 12 months about Tom Lawrence that, you know, and I think we both can agree that he's he's not the greatest of players. He probably had his best season in a shirt for Derby last year. But he was one that we all kind of said, yeah, you'd love him in League One because you know his quality. But I mean, at the end of the day, we, we'd, have, we'd have been quite happy for him for him to for him to win. Like Amelia said, Jason, if you don't pay Tom Lawrence twenty thousand a week, I can pay two players ten thousand pound a week. Well, this is it, and well, I have it. And just, then, you know, it, it comes to a numbers thing, and I agree. I like Lawrence. I think he's an influential player. He blows hot and cold. He was playing golf with Chris Kirchner ten days yeah, well, in Texas, so he he's obviously not coming back. I mean, 
Making uh, he turns it down, so be it. But, but the thing is, I've not seen. Well, I haven't seen. I'm not saying that there isn't, but I haven't seen many fans saying we've got to re-sign Tom Lawrence. We've yeah, got no, to re-sign not this. For it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Nobody was really clamber. I'm, nobody's clambering for Craig Forsyth at the minute. But I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna wave his flag because I think he's I think he's been an absolute fantastic, um, fantastic servant for Derby. A lot of people wrote him off last year, and obviously he played a lot of first team games because of Lee Buchanan's injury. And I thought he was one of Derby's better players last year. And in League One, if he's still got the legs, which I think he has, you know, um, he's pretty solid as well. League One's going to need that type of player in it. There's no doubt about that. You're going to need that that physical side. Forsyth's pretty good in the air. He, he, he knows how to put a ball in. If we've actually got attacking players to attack that ball, that'd be great. And then, of course, you've got CKR, somebody else who, as far as we're aware, is still training at Derby. He did show up for first day of preseason, so yeah, we'll see what happens would, there. Would you give him another twelve months deal if he was interested? Of co- I think, of course, you would because he is again. We didn't see it because obviously of the COVID the COVID season where he single handedly kind of kept Derby up and then obviously got that really bad injury against Peterborough um, in the second season and never really recovered from it. I don't think. And then you know, it's players like that. You would have to think they're. They're gettable. If Derby really want to keep them, then then they're probably going to be gettable because a, a couple of those re-signed last year when, you know, obviously the wage cap and because of the transfer embargo. So they're the types of, of, of players that are in the ballpark. And I was fully expecting those those names to have been announced well before any anybody, you know, any of the others that have been announced. So that that's good to see. Um, you know, Derby... Dobby's Twitter account and social media, they know not to put all these names out straight away. You've got to, you know, you've got to... You've you got, got to tease me along. You yeah, can't just give it to are. me all up front and it's just crickets for the rest of the summer. you got to have something. i got to wake up in the morning and be like, hmm, what's going to happen today? Exactly. And But I, w- I would fully... I wouldn't be surprised to see the likes of CKR, Stearman, Forsyth, D- certainly Davis, all all them starting, you know, not starting, but being part of the matchday squad on the 30th of July against Oxford. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Again, I suppose it depends what other business is about. If 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 there's a, a young up and coming, um, you know, a couple of loans, a young young up and comer who, who's done well down in in the lower leagues and, and wants a crack at League One, um, then then maybe we we go with that because we're probably not paying out as much in wages. It, it's it's a it's a fine balancing act. But I personally, anybody that from that squad last season who stuck with Derby when they could have easily have thrown in the towel and walked off, I, no real disrespect to how good they were last year just out of a you know just a common decency thing i'd be if the finances allow i'd be offering them a 12 months because we need the bodies um if they become a bit part players i mean richard steaming came in last year he played like seven games if that but he was the absolute ever true professional and what yeah, a seven game oh yeah but and, and so if they want to stay around then you know uh, me personally, I'd have them in there. I'd have them in there for their experiences because it's going to be needed. It's going to be needed in League One. Um, and obviously, it's nice to see a few new faces. And I say the quality that we've brought in is is incredible in my opinion. It really is incredible. I can't really o- o- over overestimate how, how good I think the quality is. Obviously, it goes to show that we're, they're probably all bloody flunk uh, all, all in one go, unfortunately, at Harvey. But fingers crossed we're not, we're not like that. But I mean... I- I think we're smiling, Corey. We're happy. <laughs> we are. And I think to that, I think the most important thing here is you're looking at, you know, we've talked a little bit about through the last several podcasts and on this one as well, Darby needed a reset. Darby needed a reset as a club. It needed to reset as a squad. We needed to get rid of 
you know, players that didn't want to be here and whatever. The reset's come, and unfortunately, it's come in League One. It's unfortunately come because of administration, because of mismanagement from previous people that have that are follically challenged. Um, but when you look at those players, Forsyth, CKR, Stearman, Davis, they bring something else. They bring that character. They bring that fight. They bring that group mentality. Amelia was talking about it earlier. She said, you know, they want players that want to be here, that want to be able to play for Derby, that are proud to wear that badge. You know, like, the, you know, we, we love it. We love the football club. We would give, we would live and die for it. And we want players that do the same thing. And if you have those players that were willing to do that last season, you know, yeah, you want them in the building this season because the character and the leadership of that group was fantastic. Richard Steeman played seven games, but we don't know what he did on the training field. We don't know what he did uh, in the dressing rooms, you know, how vocal he was as a leader, how he brought along the, the young players. We can see how much Curtis Davis loves this team because he did a podcast a couple of weeks ago where he was talking about it and he wants the deal to get done. Um, you know, the character, the character aspect of this and the rebuild, the way you want to build your club culture from this cannot be overstated. Um, and so, you know, for me, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't just be, I'm very much like you, Jason, I'd be handing out one year contracts, not because they deserve it, not because it's Craig Forsyth's testimony year, because of what they can bring intangibly off the field. Look, if, if Richard Stearman plays seven games again, but he, he's able to progress the young players, he's able to steady the ship. And in those seven games, he doesn't let the team down fine, give them another contract because we're going to need bodies. It's a long old slog. And, you know, you can always rest people for the Papa John's pizza trophy because, you know, you're going to want a pizza me. Get it? Yeah. A pizza hey, what, one one thing like I'd thing. like to say on it, Corey, is uh, it'd be interesting to get everybody else's opinion on this. I mean, they were obviously, some of these names were kind of rumored a few weeks ago when obviously Rooney was still in and around the building. We don't know what conversations we're having behind the scenes on that. But for me, all these players... We don't know when these deals were done. I'm guessing that a lot of these deals couldn't have been done till last Friday, which was obviously after after Wayne had left. How many of them have decided to stay around? They were probably having negotiations why Wayne Rooney was technically still the manager of Derby. But how many of them have gone, yeah, I'm happy to stay if Rossini is in charge? You know, Kieran, you, you mentioned it. You've met him a couple of times. I mean, any time I've ever heard him in an interview and things like that, he comes across really well. The, the guy knows this level of football as well really really well and that players want to come in and, and play under him which means I think now is an absolute shoo-in to get the manager's job permanently if if that's not already been done and dusted but just the fact that these players now haven't gone no ah, well if Rooney's not there I'm not I'm not that keen anymore I think that's that's quite a breath of fresh air and I actually think that's something that Derby really needed actually after after the whole reset Take take the glamour out of Derby County a little bit for for a couple of years. Let us let us come back in in our own way. Let's fight back in our own way. Uh, let the football on the pitch do the talking. We're not Wayne Rooney's Derby County anymore. We're not Frank Lampard's Derby County or anything like that. And and I must admit, if things go well for Derby this season, and I, I mean ultimately we want promotion, but I'm not saying promotion just promotions a successful season. Calling us. Liam Rossini as Derby County will will have a bit more of a better ring to it for me than the Rooney's Derby County ever would or or Lampard's would because he'll have worked bloody hard. He'll have worked on the training ground with them all. We know he's a good coach. And it'd be interesting to see actually how, you know, obviously until we start playing competitive games, we're not going to know the answer to this. But it'd be interesting to see how, how similar the styles are from this season to la- last season to this, just to see. And maybe then we can, you know, start to look at it and go, well, actually, a lot of last season was down to Liam Rossini and not just Wayne. Wayne was obviously the front man and he was the face and he was the manager, but a lot of the hard work, a lot like what Steve McLaren used to do when he was a coach at Derby under Jim Smith, obviously, all those years ago. It was Steve McLaren that got the team 
as good as it was, Jim was just the man that, that coordinated it really on a on a match day and stuff like that. So I can't wait for that. I, I really can't. I think it's going to be it's going to be great. Uh, of course, that means we're going to lose our first seven games, Corey. But um, and you know, be dumped out of the cup by by Mansfield and and it'll all be doom and gloom again. And we'll be saying, "What the hell was we talking about?" But I'm, I'm I think we're all allowed a, a pinch of optimism with with everything else that's gone on over over the last two years. And obviously, optimism optimism starts really. Saturday, Corey. Um, Seventeen hundred fans near enough um, going up to uh, Valley Parade, if it's still called Valley Parade these days. Um, up, up to Bradford to uh, you know see see the first first glimpse of the new signings. Yeah, definitely. And I think now, Jason, it's called the Northern Commercial Stadium, which is just ah. a cool name. So we'll just continue to call it Valley Parade as it should be. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jason. So first first preseason game coming up um, after Bradford. Obviously, we've got Stevenage, but let's focus on. Kieran and Amelia in on this uh, in a minute because Jason, for me, preseason is all about two things. One, I don't read into results because results don't matter in preseason. Yes. You want to win your games because yes, it builds momentum, but especially specifically for these early preseason games, the first couple against Bradford and Stevenage um, I'm looking for fitness levels. I'm looking at shape. I'm looking at how they're going to kind of shake things out. What kind of young players are going to be in the squad who impresses, who doesn't, who looks fit, who might need a little bit more work. Um, so for me, I don't, you know, it's just going to be exciting to see uh, the team back with the new signings. I don't think they'll have a new kit because I don't know where that that is. So it'll be interesting to see what kit we wear. Um, but uh, yeah, so for me, it's just going to be about fitness exercise, give the players a run out, um, not reading too much into either, even even performance levels. I mean, if Joe Wildsmith concedes seven against Bradford, it's a preseason game. He's going to get better, hopefully, because it'd be shocking to get worse if you concede seven against Brad, uh, Bradford. But you know, let's, uh, you know, let's be positive. Let's go into this first game. Let's look at it as a fitness exercise and see, like you say, what does Liam Rossini throw out there that's different than Wade Rooney? What different kind of things? And you don't want to throw all of your plans out there against, you know, Bradford uh, in the opening preseason game. But let's just see how it differs. Let's see what different tweaks they can make and things like that. Amelia, how excited are you for, uh, for football to be back um, on Saturday against Bradford? Very. I mean, it's nice to, nice to look forward to the football and not have to think about when the takeover might be complete or, OK, football's on, but what's going on behind the scenes? It's nice to it's nice to look forward. I mean, as you say, you know, it's only a friendly and nothing to get too excited about, but it will be good to see the new signings get, get a run out and, and see how they're looking. You know, obviously don't expect everybody to be up to speed yet. They're going to have a matter of days to train with each other and, and gel so it's not going to be perfect but it will be good to see them out there and, and good to see them play together I mean it's given us a little bit of an insight as to what we can look forward to in the season and of course the the season's coming up thick and fast so we we've got to prepare as quick as we can um yeah but you know Bradford are a, you know a team that are, are down in, in league two so as, as with all due respect, they're not exactly going to be the toughest test of, of pre-season that we could possibly have. I think we'll, we've got more pre-season games coming up that are likely to be a lot more tough going than, than that one. So, you know, whether we win or not doesn't really matter. But I think performing against a team like that will be will be good to see because it's it's more of a, in the nicest way possible, an easy start for, for, the, for the squad. Um, it gives them a, a bit of a chance to... Have a have a mess around and 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 see who suits what and who suits who and and ev- everything like that. Um, instead of jumping in, you know, imagine we we were jumping in on Saturday playing against uh, a Man City side. It'd be uh, it'd be a bit different. I think you know you wouldn't be able to get anything out of that. You wouldn't be able to gain any sort of understanding of what the team could be like or 
or who works best in what position. So it is nice to play somebody a little bit less less talented and, and just be able to to have a mess around with players, play some people on the wing, play them through the middle, mess around with formations and, and just for Liam to get get to grips with everybody. Um but yeah, it's exciting to to think about the season coming up and, and the preseason just gives you that that extra excitement knowing it's only a couple of weeks away now before the real stuff happens and hopefully Derby's Derby's league winning season commences. Yeah, see, Amelia, I never thought I'd see Darby win anything, and maybe we could win the, the League One, and then and I'll have to eat my words. Kieran, do you have <laughs> to uh, do you have similar sentiments to Amelia about this first game? I mean, surely you don't read a lot into the results. You're more about a surely more about performance and, and who's getting the minutes and, and who's looking good and not, right? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but I live in Leeds now with a new job, so luckily it's just down the road. So quite a nice preseason game um, for me to start with. I think what's important, as mentioned before, is Liam Senior's style of play. I think we might change it up a bit. Um, obviously, with his Brighton links, they like to play good football, quite attacking football, and quite a lot of his signings have been quite technical footballers. With Horahan, even um, Barkhusen at wide, he's not our traditional winger. We like to normally go for fast players who can only run and can't do anything else. So it's a bit weird that we've actually got a technical wide player who we don't we've not really had before so it'd be nice to see him as more of a slower player however technically he's one that normally performs well against us so I think it'd be interesting to see whether obviously as Amelia mentioned it's very little turnover time yet Um, and I think we might not start to see even in pre-season it might be a bit into the season where we properly see the team gel um, and start to work which is to be expected with an absolutely massive squad overhaul. Um, and we've mentioned players still to go out. I, th- I think we'll still lose Bielik. We're still... Nathan Byrne, we're not sure what's going on with him yet, but he'll be a massive one if we keep keep him around. I think one interesting point is on the second striker we sign because a lot of people love Kazim Richards. Um, and obviously we're in advanced talks now for James Collins. I can't see us having all three with McGoldrick, with Jack Stratton, as the kind of younger option as well. So I think it might end up being a case of it is either Kazim Richards or James Collins, which I absolutely love Kazim Richards to bits. And he stood by us a lot. However, James Collins' history of scoring goals in these leagues, I think could be massive um, for us. Yeah, it would be difficult, hard-pressed, I think, Kieran, to, to carry three veteran strikers. I mean, you know, if Kazim Richards was 25, that's a different... You, have a, you know what I mean? If you have another incumbent striker that's a bit younger, it's a different kettle of fish, but it would be difficult and hard-pressed to get, you know, two players in, in their mid, mid-30s in McGoldrick and Kazim Richards, and I believe Collins is around 30, 31, you know, and then you've got the younger options. So it'd be difficult for a club to carry three veteran strikers. I agree with you on that. It's, it's not like either you can kind of drift one more out wide either. They're all yeah. proper number nines, and you, you can't really have three in a squad, especially if we're on a limited wage budget still. Uh, that's a good point. Jason, I'm going to leave it to you to to bring it home because that that's all the points I think that that we had had for today, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um and yeah, it's been it's been this has been one of the one of the best podcasts we've done for a while. It, it, everything that's gone on over the last two years, Corey, that we've spoken about, don't get me wrong, it's given us hours of sleepless nights, but it's given us hours of of podcasting content and and with various different media outlets, which has been, you know, which has been absolutely great. We've we've enjoyed doing it all. 
But I am quite happy just to have a nice, quiet season, um, go about a business in the right way, bring in the players that we're bringing in, hopefully bring in a couple more and have a, you know, have a right good go at getting back up there on the, at the first attempt. It's not the be all and end all if we don't, in my opinion. I'd love to, but I don't think it's the be all and end all. Um, I think too many stars would have to align for us to go straight back up. We've said this on this podcast before, Corey. We know the likes of Rotherham do it and Peterborough bounce, and but when we're not used to League One, and that is, I think that is quite a quite a key thing. And we, we're going down this route with these signings that are, we're bringing in experience. That should help. That hopefully that will help. And I'm a bit with you, Kieran. I, I, Corey, I think me and you said a couple of weeks ago about like obviously the Papa John's Trophy and stuff like that. Is that a bit of a hindrance? It will be if we don't bring in enough players. Win the pizza cut, I'm telling well, you. Well, yeah, but I mean, if pizza we don't bring in enough baby. players, <laughs> if we don't bring champions. in, if we don't bring in enough players, then I think it does become a hindrance. But um, if we if we have got that solid squad of 20, 22, whatever we can have in League One, I can't remember what the rules are now. Actually, for system gelling and rotation and uh, and the extra games that you will get in August, I think August is already quite a quite a chunky month of about nine, eight, nine games. That. That should set you up quite nicely, um, and then obviously we can we can start to really see where where Derby are, and then start making some predictions on what what we think for the season. But I'm excited, and it's it's just nice to have really have had a best part of nearly an hour of of positivity positivity you know uh, positive chat and and moving forward. And we've still got a couple more weeks of technically of preseason before before the big kickoff on the thirtieth of of Ox, uh, 30th of July against Oxford and looking looking forward to it and of course the season tickets got announced today so that's that was always a big one make sure make sure I've got the seat signed up there already so I'll definitely be uh, I'll definitely be cheering him on from the south you got end. two right you got one for me right yeah I'm sure I'll get you a ticket yeah sure right over. checks in the mail yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. I'll get you a ticket well, when you come over um, well with that sorry can I just yeah, go, one second yeah, yeah, yeah. we announced obviously the ticket prices for our two home fixtures Mm. A great part, I think ten at ten pounds for adults and fiver um for kids. So get get the stadium rocking for the two home games, get some money back in the club. Um we've all said all over social media how happy we are to still get a club. Let's show the club how much they still mean to us and how grateful we are that we are still existing because there was a point where it looked like we were in deep, deep trouble. So let's celebrate at the end of the month and let's get some big crowds down to Pride Park and some income uh, back in. Fully agree with you, Kieran. And, I, and to be honest, I, obviously I've seen the, the prices of the season tickets and I know they're all a little bit funny because some people took a year out, some people asked them for the money back and all that kind of thing. But I know mine is is the best part of 100 quid cheaper in the South Stand than than it was the you know when I last fully paid for one. Uh, and I mean, for me, that's, that is that is pretty decent value to say that the club obviously needs as much income as it possibly can because it's gone down to League One. So yeah, I, I'm I'm right behind you there, Kieran. I think it's time. You know, fans did it enough last year. Now you've got the opportunity to support your club for at least another season and hopefully many, many, many more. Let's get that stadium full. Let's you know, it'd be an intimidation factor for a lot of League One clubs coming coming to Derby. That we know we're pretty good at home anyway. Let's give them you know, let's give them something else to be a bit intimidated about. Let's make Pride Park a fortress, and if they can do that. Then we know what that can achieve. Um, if you can, if you can pick up the odd, the odd result away, we'll, we'll soon find ourselves at the right end of the table where we want to be. Um, so yeah, um, looking forward to uh, looking forward to catching a couple of the preseason friendlies. I know it's been announced that Rams TV are streaming them all live as well. So um, 
I'm going to try and get to a couple of them, but if not, I'll, I'll certainly be able to watch them on Rams TV and, and get a, a first glimpse of, of the new era, as we're calling it, the new era of Derby County. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. But that is the end of the podcast. Thanks very much to everybody. Amelia, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you on, and I'm sure we'll have you on again. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. It's been great. Thank you. And Kieran, yourself, thanks for coming on, mate. It's been a fir- for the first time. And again, we'll, we'll definitely have you on later on in the year. Yeah, cheers, everyone. It's got to speak positively about the club we all love. Uh, absolutely. And Corey, as always, Corey, we're, our pre-season really now is over for the podcast, I suppose. Wait, don't um, we have like one more Rams for Two Meets episode to possibly put out to whet the appetites before the season friendly? We do. We do. Um, unless there's like seven signings next week, then right. yeah, we'll, we'll probably, we will probably put out our pre-recorded interview. Do we want to give it, do we want to give a hint about this individual or do we just want to just be complete surprise? No, I'm, I'm happy for the people, for the people that are good enough to download this, that they'll know what's coming. Uh, Corey caught up with. My mom uh, already knows who I'm, oh, my mom already knows who I talked to. <laughs> yeah well the, okay then the other listener that we've got to the podcast but yeah Corey uh, Corey over the summer caught up with um, former Derby winger uh, Simon Dawkins about all his time uh, at Derby and obviously the, the unfortunate failed playoff campaign under under Steve McLaren and, and he talks Corey, about why he left Derby and why he didn't think necessarily it was Paul Clement's full choice so interestingly enough um, but yeah Simon Docks was a great chat um, he's playing now for Monterey Bay FC uh, I spent a lot of time in Monterey, California. Love it. I'd go there tomorrow and retire and just live on the beach. Um, but yeah, so that, that might be coming out in the next few, next few uh, days and everything like that. But, uh, and also Jason, don't forget, we've got all of the blogs. We talked to a lot of different fans and reporters about all of our new signings and reported signings. They're coming out. So there's just like so many. A Rams Review HQ has been absolute pandemonium uh, today, yesterday, the day before that, the day before that as well. Um, but we've got a lot of good insights on on all the new sign-ins and the potential sign-ins as well. Seems like they're going to be some good ones. So you can check those out on our website and they'll be on the socials as well. But yeah, Jason, so it's exciting times rolling into a new season, into a new era um, as well, because we've got a few new projects uh, burning as well at Rams Review HQ, so, uh, which we'll be announcing very shortly. Yeah, absolutely. And you never know, after obviously the Dawkins, Simon Dawkins episode, we, we've got to do a, a preview of the season um you have to you have and to. I, I mean we're going to learn a lot more about league one than than the other way around so we'll make sure we get somebody on who knows all about league one for that um and it'll give all all listeners a, a real lowdown in what what we can expect for for derby county from the season but that is all we'll re- we'll be back in the next week speak to you all later and up the rams Thank you for listening to the Rams Review Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter at Rams Review One, on Facebook, Rams Review Podcast. Drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. And until next time, up the Rams. <laughs>